0: Hey, good morning. Go ahead and find your seat. Uh, just like the first service, we're, we're a tiny skinny today, and I suspect it's because everybody and their brother has something right now, whether it is a stomach issue, a coughing issue, a, you know, just like, wow, it's really running through. Mm-hmm. So pretty soon, January will be here. And we'll all be much better, yeah, right? I'm sure. it'll, all be, it'll all be perfect. Today's uh, special for a couple of reasons. One, uh, for the first time in a long time, Nate's home. So right. my youngest son is back and all the, all the way from Abilene, Texas, enjoying, enjoying a month here. He's now working a remote job, so he's able to be wherever. So he decided to come back. And, and in part, he's here because the high school where Shelly works is putting on Elf the Musical. And um, Nate is the biggest elf fan in the history of the world. And so, Shelly, he, go at ahead. At the
1: beginning of this whole Christmas season, he put an over under of 10 and a half viewings. I said over. Nate, where are you currently at? I don't want <laughs> are you already <laughs> over? Far. Let's go. He's Far. over ten and a half. and Wow. <laughs> Guy loves Elf.
0: <laughs> so, so that that was his Christmas present. So this afternoon, or birthday present. So this afternoon, we're gonna be heading off and, yeah. and watching some Elf the musical, which will be fun. But it is the most wonderful time of the year. Three great birthdays. Of course, Jesus number one, number two, we are just days away from Emmett's first birthday, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And you're getting a little older this month, too. Yeah, forget so, about that one though. What, two days from now? So congratulations. Yes, I, I stopped keeping track. Rolling along. It's kind of fun. Doing anything exciting for your birthday?
1: No, but Emmett, um, (laughs) on Saturday, so his birthday's next Monday, but uh, you guys have heard me, like over the last year, not, I wouldn't say complaint, uh, but my my stance on one-year-old birthday parties I think has been made pretty clear, and uh, after a year of not fighting, we did not fight about this, but a year of me saying that I was going to put my foot, draw a line in the sand and put my foot down and say, no one-year-old birthday party. Saturday we're having a one-year-old birthday party, Yay! so.
0: <laughs>
1: so uh, yeah, I, I always tuck my tail when because Riley rules the house. She's she's scary. <laughs> but no, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It so will be, it have will be the, fun. Fuzz, the the all the little cousins and everybody's coming over. So yeah. it'll
0: be a good time. Good yeah. deal. Your weekend update highlighted a few things. High school's got a cookie decoration party coming up here, which would be a kind of a blast. Yeah, this is
1: going to be awesome. So it's going to be hosted at the Kluzny's from one to four on Saturday. And the, the great thing about that is that they're, they're already in creation mode. I was looking at uh, Brittany's Instagram yesterday and they do a lot of freeze drying. So they'll take candies and freeze dry them and they become new things. I mean- Freeze
0: dry Skittles are crazy.
1: They are insane. They- taste
0: s- like a Skittle, nothing like a Skittle. Yeah. Not. Yeah,
1: and if you freeze dry certain things like they, they come out differently. So Jolly you,
0: Rancher too. Jolly Rancher Jolly is a huge. Yep. My
1: favorite though. Last year, they made some freeze-dried Haribo sour, sour gummy bears, and they expand like you wouldn't believe. I mean, that just, <laughs> I think that proves how much sugar's in them, but uh, yeah, they blow up. So they're really, really cool. They were doing some of that yesterday uh, in preparation for all of us to come over and, and house all those. So they're going to have to make more and more and more. But uh, no, Saturday, cookie creation, it's going to be really cool. The g- kids are going to get to make the cookies and then bring them home, whatever whichever, actually make it home, but, um, but yeah, so that's this Saturday, and so we're going to be on our normal schedule all the way up until uh, Christmas Eve, so we'll take Christmas Eve off from Revive, and the following, su- excuse me, following Sunday as well, and then the Wednesday after uh, Christmas, we're going to take off of Refuge, and the following Wednesday after that as well, so those two weeks, we're going to have a little Christmas break.
0: And for Christmas Eve, we're just going with normal service times mm-hmm. because it's on a Sunday. So just 9 light. and ten 30, okay. we'll come together uh, to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Yeah. We have so many things we can be reading right now. In fact, my reading, Bible reading right now, I'm going through the one-year Bible, just like I always do. And I'm doing an Advent reading right now. And then on top of that, we've been going through Proverbs. So as a church, we've been reading through Proverbs. This is our third time through and we read the chapter of Proverbs that correlates with the date. Today's the 10th, and so here on this Sunday morning, we're going to go ahead and read this together. You read the first page, I'll read the next.
1: Can I share something embarrassing that I didn't share in first service? Go ahead. So being that this is the third time through, uh, I've noticed that uh, there are two spots in my, because my Bible is my bed, and uh, there are two spots throughout Proverbs where I must have been doing something while reading that... uh, has marked these pages, so literally on the, the page of my Bible that has Proverbs 9 and 10 on it, uh, there's, there's some orange markings on the, on the ah, page. Ah, Cheetos. I'm going to guess I was eating some Cheetos the last time that I read this. So interesting. I, uh, uh, yeah. All right. that's right. got to figure out how to clean the pages of a Bible. One way to your Bible it's That's insane. interesting. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise child brings joy to a father, a foolish child brings grief to a mother
0: let me just say it says the Proverbs of Solomon. So I, I, this time through, I'm um, on the listening. I'm doing one that is attached with some teaching from the people of the Bible Project. And they commented that in this section, I think it's from chapter 10 to chapter 22, there are 373, I think it is, Proverbs in here. And numerically, Solomon's name in Hebrew is the same number, 373. Mm-hmm. So very Very creatively brought those two together. But anyway, just kind of a a fun little fact. Tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. The Lord, you're reading it all. Go ahead. It's all good. So used to alternating.
1: (laughs) The Lord will not let the godly go hungry, but he refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. Lazy people are soon poor, while hard workers get rich. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. The godly are showered with blessings, and the words of the wicked conceal violent
0: intentions. We have happy memories of the godly, but the names of the wicked, rot, wicked person rots away. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. People who wink at wrong cause trouble, but a bold reproof promotes peace. The words of the godly are a life giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses.
1: Wise words come from the lips of people with understanding, but those lacking sense will
0: be beaten with a rod. Wise people treasure knowledge. Whoop, I did it again. I'm so used to alternating. Go, go.
1: It's so nice to not be the one screwing
0: up. Oh. Here. It's awesome. <laughs> I don't have Cheeto dust in my Bible. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. The wealth of the rich is their fortress. The poverty of the poor is their destruction. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray. Hiding hatred makes you a liar.
0: Slandering others makes you a fool. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of a fool is worthless. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. The blessings of the Lord make a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible. The fear of the wicked will be fulfilled, but the hopes of the godly will be granted.
1: When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. Lazy people irritate their employers, like vinegar to the teeth or smoke in the eyes. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life, But the years of the wicked are cut short; the hope of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. And the godly will never be disturbed, but the wicked will be removed from the land.
0: I love verse 26, and Solomon does a great job with this. Sometimes his pictures are so vivid you can you can feel them, right? Mm vinegar potato chips. Uh, They just leave my teeth raw, my tongue doesn't feel right, smoke in the eyes. It's just vivid, just Mm -hmm. vivid. The mouth of the godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. The lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speaks perverse words. Father God, we're walking into this season of, of Advent, a time of preparation of our hearts for the coming of the savior so much of it involves repentance it involves examining our lives to make straight the path for the lord in our own life and these words can help us to see places that we've wandered away from wisdom places that we might be living foolishly as our hearts are exposed to your word as we have areas of our life exposed that are wrong and sinful, give us a soft heart to repent and to come back home. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together. I know for a lot of you, whether you use uh, the Bible app or Dwell, uh, you've undertaken some kind of a a reading for, for Advent often a devotional. And I, I love the one that Dwell has developed. This one's called Dawn, if you listen to it. And Dwell is primarily a listening app, listening to Scripture being read. This one's read by a, a British guy named, uh, named Russell. And, um, and as you're listening to it, you're realizing that these seasons of preparation, Advent and Lent, have both been created. They've been designed in order to get us ready for something big that's coming. And to realize that as we're going through everyday life, a lot of times the dailiness of it just kind of gets to us and we, we forget to focus. And so we have these shorter seasons of focus, and a, and a primary theme for both of these seasons is Is my heart ready for the coming of Christ? Uh, is, there, is there sin that I'm cherishing more than the gift of Jesus himself? And so it's a time to reflect, and it's a time, if needed, to repent of things that we might be holding tightly. Uh, they entitled this one Dawn, going along with the verse from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, Weeping may tarry for a night, it may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So much of our spiritual walk matches the song we just, we just sang it's about waiting seasons of waiting seasons of you know something good is coming but there's time before we get there weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning for this particular week the theme verse is: wait for the lord be strong let your heart take courage yes wait for the lord waiting is a spiritual discipline that god wants to build into us waiting in anticipation for what he's going to do so I want to go ahead and read the devotional for today. I'm going to put it on the screen for, because for some of you, seeing it and hearing it helps. Have you, have you ever looked at an ancient icon or historic Christian painting and struggled to tell what is happening? If so, you're in good company. While appreciating the beauty and reverence of these timeless works, the modern viewer is often left in the dark, uncertain of who or what is depicted, and by extension, how to properly engage or appreciate such artwork. However, one figure can always be easily identified. John the Baptist. How, you may ask? By his finger. By his finger. Though commonly remembered for his unique diet, locusts and honey, and his dramatic dress, camel hair outfit, John the Baptist finger is in many ways his most defining feature for with it he fulfills his primary role the purpose for which he was created his primary role in the story of salvation John points us to Jesus John points to Christ he points to the Messiah showing us where to go when we are disoriented he helps us look afresh to Christ when we are confused and cannot see a way forward in short he reminds us, often with great passion and urgency, where our focus should be. In this second week of Advent, we, are, we focus on preparation and repentance. As Isaiah 40, verse 3 reminds us, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In the busyness of this Christmas season, Your focus is likely scattered and pulled in a dozen different directions. Yet amid this noise, each year Christians are invited to again tune their hearts to the ancient words of the prophet who proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Our Lord is coming. May he find us ready and waiting. And then within that devotional, they often uh, offer for us a, a prayer for the week and this prayer is merciful god who sent your messengers the prophets to preach repentance and prepare the way for our, a way of our salvation give us grace to heed their warning and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy the coming of jesus christ our redeemer who lives and reigns with you and the holy spirit one true god now and forever Amen. So let's take that spirit of of repentance and reflection, looking at those areas that the the road of our heart needs to be made straight. Let's take those uh, reflections now to communion. We have tables prepared for you up at the sides as well as in the back. Gluten-free is offered to the side of the platform as well as a, a station in the back. We walk to communion because it's an intentional act. We are ready to encounter our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And while we do, we'll be listening to some uh, beautiful worship music. That song is one of those songs that both the music and the words convey an interesting message, and the two kind of crash because you're hearing the words, rejoice, rejoice, and you're supposed to be happy. But the song, the song sounds like a funeral. You're like, how do these two go together? And, And the thing that's, I think, Fascinating and beautiful about this song is that's where we live. We live knowing that we have a relationship with God through Jesus. We live knowing that one day we will be in heaven with Jesus and God because of that. But in the meantime, we're stuck here in the mess, the reality of the mess. And God's given us the opportunity to take a message to a lost and dialing world and say, Uh, The mess is here and now, but the mess isn't the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so, God, I I pray that as as we think about the tension of that song, we realize we live in that tension. Knowing the truth and yet seeing the stuff around us and wanting to believe that that's the truth of our existence, and it is not. I'm thankful that you rescued us through Jesus that you brought us safely home to yourself through your Son, and that one day we will live and reign with you forever and ever. Oh, we look forward to that day. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So we've been talking uh, throughout November about discerning the will of God. How do we know what God wants for us? What's the, what's the reason for our existence? What's the purpose? And one of the things that God has done for me in recent months has helped me to see not looking forward toward what is it God has for me, but looking back and seeing the way things unfolded along the way, things that I could not have known when I was young. So, so last Sunday, I will admit to you, this, this is where I went to church. Um, Kim was, we got, to, we got to Florida, we were going there for a wedding, and she, the day after we got there, got violently ill. She ended up with whatever this stomach bug is that's going around and was three days laid out in bed, couldn't even go to the wedding because of it. And so I spent a lot of time walking this beach, walking along St. Pete Beach. And just this particular morning, Sunday morning, I woke up. It was hazy. You couldn't see very far. The water was a lot like walking in Lake Michigan in July. It was warm enough that... A kid, in the, you know, from Chicago is more than willing to go ahead and and walk in and and get wet and have some fun, but I'm walking along, and and those walks involve times of just uh, talking to God and looking down and. Seeing what I might find there uh, floating in the water. There's a particular shell that I was liking finding. It's got stripes on it. It's really pretty. But every time I turned it over, the inhabitant was still there. And I was like, I'm not going to evict it. So I'm looking, and I finally came across one that I thought, this is it. It's even got barnacles on it. I thought, I'm okay. Turn it over. There's a hermit crab in there. I'm like, oh, my word. I'm certainly not going to evict him. And I was having fun finding sand dollars. And all the time while we were living there, I never found sand dollars that were no longer living that were in great shape. And it turned out uh, I was able to find quite a few of them. It was a fun time, just wandering, praying, and seeing what God had created. Having said that, we were there for a wedding, they for the wedding of, of our nephew. And I, I've said this about another recent weddings wedding. Weddings have kind of shifted for me, that now I'm looking at these people, some who I've known for 20 years, some for 40 years, and I'm, I'm looking at them and, and seeing the path that God has taken them on along the way. You know, I look at, I look at the guy leading the wedding. That's my brother-in-law, Kim's uh, younger brother. Uh, there, there was an accident he had at one time that he shouldn't even be alive. And there, God gives him the privilege of being a part of this day, celebrating with his son. Or if you look at the guys, three guys in from from uh, from my brother-in-law is is my other nephew who was born with a genetic disease that, if he was born at any other time in human history, he would have been dead within days of his birth. And yet he lives now, and he's just a sweet, wonderful kid. And then, of course, you have this couple. I'm looking at them and. You know, they're barely into their 20s. And I'm looking, I'm like, you're so young. You're little kids. And I realized, wow, and we were the same age when we got married. And the kid doing the wedding was the same age when he got married. And when you're, you know, 20, 21, 22, and you're looking forward toward like, you have all, all kinds of ideas of what might happen, but you have no idea what's going to happen until you're in my position looking back and saying, oh, that's what happened. So this was fun. Because we got to go home. When Kim and I got married in December of 85, the first thing we did, we went on a couple of days of honeymoon, stayed in a hotel, came home, packed up the Toyota Tercel, and we moved to St. Pete, Florida to live in a little apartment that was just above her great aunt and uncle. And this was our our place, that tiny little place. It's got a living room, a bedroom, and a bathroom. That's it, little tiny kitchenette. There were bigger windows back in the day. They've enclosed it a little bit done some remodeling. It's funny, when we, when we sold this place after Kim's great-aunt and uncle died, uh, I think it sold for it, just a little over 100,000 bucks, about in that range. If you want to buy it today, you've got to up, pony up three-quarters of a million bucks, and it's not changed tremendously. It's just Florida. So anyway, complete with the neighbor there. Anyway, this this is where we lived. this is where we did so much of growing as a couple getting to know each other a thousand miles away from family connecting with each other and then my job this is where i worked that white part of the building is where the youth center was on the second floor all kinds of fun with junior hires and high schoolers there in Florida. This is a, this is a view from, from the youth center, so you can see out looking at the church building. Kind of a funny thing about Florida churches and California churches, no foyer, no hallways. You just went directly outside. It's always sunny and always nice. So uh, that was church for us. But I love this spot in particular. This is the, right at the end of this breezeway, between those parking bumpers. That is where I did the majority of ministering with kids. Very often, group would be done, and this is where we would stand, sometimes anywhere from from a half hour to two and a half hours, just talking about their life. I mean, for me, it's crazy that this little piece of parking lot right here is sacred ground. So much transformation took place in conversations with these kids. I could never have known, standing there, what my life would look like today. I had ideas, I had thoughts, I thought maybe, I I tried to find an early picture of us. This was the only one I could come up with. This is graduation day from Cedarville. 22-year-old kids looking forward saying, God, we know you've got something for us. Probably kids, we're not sure. Probably grandkids, we're not sure. Probably ministry, we're not sure. But we're open to whatever you desire. Just take us, use us, whatever you want. And so that's where, we've, that's where we've been over this past month, talking about how do you know what God wants? How do you discern the will of God? Here's what we know for sure. Bible says he created, God created every one of us to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, there's a reason God has you existing here now. He actually has a reason. He has good works he prepared in advance for you to do. He says... All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God created every person in this room on purpose for a purpose. There are no accidents, there are no mistakes, there are no surprises. I don't know if you remember, I can't remember what the name of the game was, but there used to be this little computer game back when computers were incredibly primitive, and you were at a theme park and you're building the theme park at the Roller Coaster Tycoon, I think, or something like that, and you're building this thing, and the place would get populated with people, and if you wanted to evict people from from the theme park, you could pick them up with a little hook and just take them and drop them out. God God doesn't look down and go, how'd he get there? I had no intent. Boop, get up. Every person on earth, God intended for you to be here now. He created you on purpose for a purpose. And so we find ourselves maybe at younger stages of our lives going, I hear that, so what's the reason? And as life continues and progresses, we're like, okay, if I'm here on purpose, for a purpose, what's the purpose? What do you want me to fulfill? So we talked a lot about how we can understand that from a biblical perspective. And what I'd like to do now over the next few weeks is look at some real-life discernment stories. Because the story of Christmas is full of real-life discernment stories. People who God had a very specific intention for them, and they had no idea until God said, here it is. He created them on purpose for a purpose. We have people like Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, Simeon and Anna. And while we're not going to look at every one of them, we're going to look at a few of these people and see as they were on their own road of discernment, as they were trying to figure out what's the purpose for which you have me here on purpose, we're going to see the way that unfolded for them. Now, when we look at Bible characters, when we look at these people in the Word of God, we tend to elevate them as if they're not like us. They're some, there's someone super spiritual, someone, someone beyond us, but here's the thing. They are real people. They're real people. I promise you there was probably some time when Mary and Joseph were eating that Mary turned and said, would you stop burping at the table? Just stop it. Just stop it. Cut it out. They were real people just like us. They, They went through real struggles just like we do. I don't know how you are when you're when you're reserving a room to go on a vacation. I read all the reviews and I try to get it right. You know, I want to make sure that it's a good room, that it's clean, that it doesn't smell, that it's only us and the walls aren't so thin that we can hear everything that's going on next door. So we get to our room in Florida and sure enough, paper thin walls. I had to put in earplugs in order to sleep. I didn't want to know what was going on anywhere else. You know, you would go through this. How about Joseph? How did his reservations work out? Sorry, no room at the end. What do you mean? I went on Hotels.com. you got to be kidding me. Why? What's happening here? They go through real struggles just like we do. They also share our doubts. They have real doubts. Zechariah receives this word from the angel, and he's got real doubts about God and his plan for him. And he says, well, here's what we're going to do. You're going to be silent until the birth of your son, not as punishment, but as a sign that I'm real. And what I'm saying is true. They go through real struggles of faith just like we do. There are times that it seems like they have an advantage over us. Come on. If Gabriel appeared to you and spoke and told you this is what I want you to do, wouldn't you feel like you have an advantage? Wouldn't it be great if every morning your room, you didn't even need to set, up a, set an alarm. The, lo- the room got glowingly light. And there's Gabriel. I just here to tell you what to do today. We think, that, we think they have an advantage over us when, when angels are telling them, this is the plan God has for you. I'll tell you what, in a, in a real way, we have an advantage over them. Those appearances has happened rarely. They didn't happen to every person. Every person here has access to the Word of God. Every person here has access to knowing what God desires. Every one of us, they don't have the advantage that we think they do. So the person I'm gonna zero in on today is Mary. Because let's face it, Mary has got a, she's got a real discernment process going place. As she finds out, she is going to be unique in human history. She's gonna be the only human being to ever have a child conceived of the Holy Spirit. What I want to do as we look at Mary's story today is I want to stick with the Bible. There are a lot of things said about Mary that are not found in the Bible. Things that have been said by by church leaders and others that, that fit in theological systems, but what matters to us is what the Word of God says. Now having said that, the next thing I'm going to show you is not listed in the Bible. Okay, This is part of the culture. I just want you to understand that piece. She's likely mid to late teen when all of this happens to her. Why do I say likely? Because if you look at the times, people lived to about 30 to 35 years old. They got married young. It is known during that season that most people got married in their mid to late teens prior to 20 years old. That's not to say that was true of everybody, but that was what was likely. When my parents were married in the 60s, most people got married somewhere between 17 and 21. When I got married, you know, it was now not the post-high school generation, it was the post-college generation, pretty much, you know, you'd see people getting married in their, in their early 20s to mid-20s. This generation, we're bumping it out to 30. Does that mean there are not exceptions all the time? Jared Beaker's wedding, he's a lot younger than, younger than 30. William the other day, a lot younger than 30. There are exceptions, but those were the patterns of the time. So we think it's likely that she's a teenager. We don't know that for sure, but it is likely. She is human. She's not divine. This is really important for us to understand. The Bible teaches that she is a human just like us. She was not sinless. She was not sinless. She sinned just like us. Does that mean that we should, that we should look down on her and degrade her? No way. This is a person that's a beautiful example for us. And someone, someone that we can adore, you know, but we don't worship her. We don't worship Mary. We don't pray to Mary. It's not what the Bible tells us to do. We see in the Bible that, that she's betrothed to be Mary. That's a little bit different than engaged. Engaged, you can say, eh, let's not do this, and it's done. If you're betrothed, in order to get out of a betrothal, you had to almost go through a divorce-style process in order to end that engagement. And the reason for that was to prove that the virgin was a virgin, was to prove that someone else's child was not developing in the body of the person to whom you were engaged. So the purpose for the betrothal suddenly becomes a little bit confusing when Mary comes and says, Joseph, I got, I've got what you might see to be bad news. I'm pregnant, but here's the good news. A human didn't do it. Can you hear those words? Can you hear someone coming to you and saying, I'm pregnant, but a human didn't do it? Now you're thinking, not only has this person had sex with somebody else, but they're crazy. (laughs) They think, they think I'm going to believe this made up story. Can you hear the human side of this story? Can you hear why Joseph might be saying, I think we should break this off. I'm not going to do it in a way that embarrasses you, but I think we should break this off. This is what's happening in the life of Mary. As all of this is unfolding, so I just want to look at Scripture and see the way she went about understanding what God's purpose was for her, because she truly was created on purpose for a purpose. Luke chapter one, we read that angel is sent. The angel Gabriel sent from God to the city of Galilee, to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin who's again betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph. He's from the house of David. And the virgin's name is Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. What a beautiful message to hear from this angel's mouth. And what is she, what is she, how's her, how does her response work? But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Here you are thinking, if an angel appeared to me, I'd have such clarity. An angel appeared to her and she said, what's going on here? What is this? Is this a dream? Is this, a, is this some bad food I had? Am, am, am I imagining this? Is this really a messenger from God? Or, or you know, is this an evil messenger? What's... She had to discern just like we do. It says Mary tried to discern. She tried to discern. We all go through this same process. If we're trying to understand the purpose for which we were created on purpose, it involves training in discernment. It involves listening to God and trying to understand what is it that you're unfolding in my life. It says the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. You found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb, you're gonna bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and, his king, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Beautiful declaration about what's about to happen. She could never have even imagined this. She knew that there would be a Messiah that would come one day. She could never even have imagined this is what it would look like Or the fact that she, as a a woman, might be actually involved in this part of the story of what God was unfolding. What's her response? Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? What's her response? She asked questions. She asked questions. There was a time in, in, in Christianity that people said, don't question God never ask God. They would would equate it with sin to ask questions of God. Mary had no problem asking, how can this be? This wasn't a question of doubt. She was just wondering, God, how can this be? It's okay to bring your questions to God. He already knows you're thinking them. Why not say it? Why not own it? Why not just say to God, God, I don't get it. God help me understand this. God this is this is confusing to me. That's part of growing in discernment. How can I discern if I'm not asking God, asking other people for help in understanding what's unfolding? Scripture goes on to say, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born in you will be called holy. You will be the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is why in the sixth month, uh, and, this is, and this is the sixth month with her who, who has been barren for nothing will be impossible with God. Beautiful verse, write it down. For Luke 1, nothing is impossible with God. What's Mary's response to this beautiful message of how this will unfold? Behold, I am your servant. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Do you hear what she's saying? your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. God, whatever you desire, I am open, I am willing. And I think this is really, this is the piece of, of, of the story that Mary brings to us, the piece for which she is such an example. Mary submitted wholeheartedly. She just walks with a spirit of submission. a piece of of where we need to be as, as our purpose in life is unfolding before us is to just say, may it be to me according to your word. God, whatever you desire, that's what I desire. Whatever you want, that's what I want. And we're constantly walking, not trying to figure out the answers, but walking in relationship with God. God, I trust you. I trust you completely. May it be to me according to your word. I submit to you wholeheartedly. As you continue to unfold the story, you find that she goes and she visits her cousin Elizabeth, who's pregnant with this baby, though she's advanced in years, John the Baptist, and, and as, she, as Mary walks into the room, the Bible tells us that John inside of her leaped, leaped for joy. It says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit filled her, and John leaped for joy. I'll tell you what, I look at this passage, and a pre-born baby recognized the presence of the preborn Christ. It's amazing. It's amazing that this baby was able to recognize, I am in the presence of the Messiah and my King. I am in the presence of God. I'm in the presence of Jesus. And from this part of the story, what I saw is this. Mary received confirmation So much of what was going on in her story was confusing. And in this simple moment, she hears God saying, this is real. This is real. We can't demand confirmation that the path we're going is the right path. But here's what I love about the way God works when we're walking in relationship with him. Sometimes, not always, sometimes, he will offer us a note of confirmation. Sometimes he'll just, he'll do something. As we're taking those steps of faith, sometimes he'll do something that you just find yourself going, okay, I'm going in the right direction. This is what God is calling me to do. It doesn't happen all the time. But sometimes God sends that confirmation along the way, just like he did for Mary. Then we have this beautiful, this beautiful prayer from Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Here's what we see in Mary's prayer. She kept the focus on God. She could easily have said, I'm Mary. Something about me was so special that God allowed me to bear his son. And what does she do instead? My soul magnifies the Lord. My entire life points to God, not to myself. Here's what gets a little bit troublesome sometimes as we are walking along trying to figure out the reason for which we were created on purpose. What's the purpose in our life? And we start actually believing that the purpose is to somehow be elevated ourselves. To, to receive prominence ourselves, to get a platform ourselves. You know, Mary, my goodness, Mary could have offered a great parenting seminar, couldn't she have? I raised a perfect child, and you can too, right? I mean, she, she could have made this into something that pointed at her, and instead, it's all about God. Because she, for her, it wasn't about what she's supposed to be doing. It's about this constant, what does my relationship with God look like? And I just want to walk with God along the way. She kept the focus on God. We go to chapter 2. Baby is born. The shepherds arrive. It says, the shepherds came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Why were the shepherds created? What is their purpose in the story? Why are they created on purpose? What is their purpose? To share the good news. To spread the story. To make sure people know what happened tonight in Bethlehem. Would you look at Mary in contrast? But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary takes all of this and says, I'm just going to sit here and reflect on this. I'm just going to be quiet with this. In fact, a little later, we have Jesus get lost in the temple and they come back and they find him and says they took Jesus back home to Nazareth and Jesus was actually submissive to human sinful parents and grew in wisdom and stature and says, and his mother Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. There is this huge learning for us In a a generation that is all about self-promotion and building a platform and letting everybody know everything we're doing all the time, Mary pondered and cherished privately. Mary said, this is you and me, God. This is you and me, Jesus. This is you and me, Joseph. And there's something in that spirit of hers that spirit of willing to take this thing and not, not promote and plaster it everywhere, but to just hold it closely. There's something in that that reveals how a submissive spirit develops. What is the submissive spirit of Mary and the submissive spirit that God has for us? Well, a submissive spirit, for one, waits for a call. Too many of us want to promote ourselves, build the platform, put ourselves in the place of prominence. And instead, it's not like Mary applied to be the mother of the Son of God. It's not like she said, I'm going to live a life that ultimately leads to the point that maybe I'll be a candidate. She's just waiting for the call, whatever God's call might be. She doesn't seek position. She doesn't seek prominence. She doesn't force the issue, I want this, nobody else can have it. She's receptive, not resigned, oh, if I got it, Not resistant, oh, I'm not going to do that. Not reaching, that's what I want. She just receives submissively what God gives her. And so this Christmas, as you're looking at your nativity set and you see that little image of Mary sitting there, that that statue that reminds you of this woman who had the privilege of bringing our Lord and Savior into the world, I hope you'll see a spirit that submits. And that's a path you will choose. To just say, I am your servant. May it be to me according to your will. Whatever you desire, God, that's what I desire. Let's stand together. Father God, the submissive spirit is so contrary to 2023 American culture. We want to self-promote. We want to be prominent. We want to build a platform. We want to figure out the path ourselves rather than sitting back and waiting, waiting for whatever you might call us to, whatever it might be, knowing that our lives are supposed to be pointing at you. It's not supposed to point at us. It's not about us. It's about you. And so I pray that we might look at the life of Mary and the way that she went about being involved in this beautiful story of redemption. And we too would look at that, that model for us and walk in a spirit of humility. God, may it be to me according to your will, whatever you desire. In Jesus' name, amen.